Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Welcome back. Thanks Thank for you. joining me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes. Always enjoyable. It's our first live recording of the new year for LTI podcast. For LTI. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, we did Healing at the Speed of Light last week. If you're listening to us now, we have two separate podcasts that we do. This one today is focused on the healthcare provider aspect. So we're going to get a little more technical. We're going to talk about some things that are more business focused as well uh, and clinical. Not to say it's not of benefit for mm-hmm. uh, a layperson or or a, a technician to listen to at all. Um, but if we're if we're talking about crazy stuff, that's why we're talking a little bit more on the healthcare provider side. Or if we're talking about running a clinic efficiently and, and improving patient results, that's why. Now, if you're a patient that just likes to know more about light therapy, laser mm-hmm. therapy, you can head over to Healing at the Speed of Light podcast, which we also produce. And that one is a lot more patient friendly. It's, right. uh, it's, it's a good bit uh, more focused on making it accessible to where people can understand what we're talking about. Right. Without having to go through a medical dictionary, <laughs> exactly. Um, but but still very focused on research. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's good to bring research to life as much as we can. And uh, of course, that's what we're doing again today. We're going to be looking at the research when we talk about inflammatory arthritis mm-hmm. and photobiomodulation or laser therapy. Sounds good. So Christy's here with me today, and if you haven't uh, gotten to hear from Christy yet, you uh, need to know that Christy is a certified laser tech. She's delivered thousands of, of treatments at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, she is currently uh, in charge of creating LTI's course content for our online courses. If you're interested in learning more about applying light and laser therapy in practice, mm-hmm. LTI is your resource for that. Go to our website, lasertherapyinstitute.org. You can look at what we have on offer there. There are courses that are um, really basic. There are more, much more advanced. There are Courses that talk about settings and protocols that you can use with your laser for specific disorders like inflammatory arthritis and neuropathy and plantar fasciitis and all all kinds of really good things. So, uh, and then my name is Jason Roundtree. I'm the founder of LTI and I am a chiropractor and a certified medical laser safety officer. Uh, I've been doing laser therapy for uh, eight years now, Just, just laser therapy, eight years. Tens of thousands of treatments. Probably getting close to 100,000. Easily, yeah. I would say. Yeah, so. Wealth of knowledge and, and background for you. Well, I, I got to say, I keep learning more all the mm-hmm. time. And um, I think there's a lot of value in the fact that I've been able to be involved with laser for so long and, and do so much. Because the more you see, uh, the more you realize you've got to really kind of understand some of this stuff if you're going to know what you're doing. And we're going to talk about some of the technical side of that today, understanding what you're doing and what's going on with inflammatory arthritis. So to jump into today's study, this study uh, was published in September of 2020, and it's titled Molecular and Cellular Mechanisms of Arthritis in Children and Adults, New Perspectives on Applied Photobiomodulation. Again, another very long title, but (laughs) that's the way it goes. I think studies have to have, research studies just have required to have at least 12 words or something like that for a title yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's fair uh it was published uh, like i said 2020 in the international journal of molecular sciences and this is not like my favorite study i've ever seen 
it is huge though this is the whole the whole study printed off right here and it, there's a lot there to go over i'm not gonna read this whole thing to you okay unless you wanted an app <laughs> <laughs> it might make a good bedtime story i guess it might but uh, going through it, there's a lot of information here that I was able to dig out. And so in, in the interest of being able to hopefully inform folks about what is in the research without having to make you read through all 57 pages of this yourself, uh, we should be able to cover this in about 15 minutes. And we're going to go into a lot of really neat stuff. So we're going to talk about three specific types of inflammatory arthritis and how to diagnose them. We're going to talk about the mechanics of what happens with those different types of arthritis and, and the mechanics of inflammatory arthritis in general, what it looks like on the cellular, uh, cellular level. And then we're going to talk about how photobiomodulation or laser therapy works on that cellular level to address inflammatory arthritis, inflammatory changes, and, and kind of tie it all together at the end to say why photobiomodulation is such a great choice for inflammatory arthritis. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So so here's our kind of get your attention kind of a hook here. It, this says, um, well, there's a couple things here. But before I before I start reading, I want to know what you think because I read this and I thought, oh, that's that I wasn't quite uh, informed on this. But how many different types of arthritis do you think there are? When you were talking about three different, I was thinking how, I don't know. Ah. Because I just lump it all together. Arthritis mm -hmm. is arthritis. You either yep. have it or you don't. Yep. That's, and that's most patients will do that too. Now, oh, I got the arthritis in my knee. Or I got arthritis mm -hmm. in my back. And, you know, most of the time you're talking about osteoarthritis, degenerative mm -hmm. arthritis. But we're talking today about inflammatory arthritis when the immune system kind of goes haywire and attacks the, the body. But it's more than just that. It's more than just degenerative or inflammatory. This says there are over 150 forms of chronic arthritis in adults that's amazing that's a lot that's a lot that's a lot and, and you know they are divided up into you know they're different um they're different in entities within categories so you got mm -hmm. different types of osteoarthritis different types of inflammatory arthritis um reactive arthritis there's all kinds of different mm -hmm. things going on there but yeah 150 different types uh of adult chronic arthritis in children there are several dozen subtypes of the disease See, you don't even think of arthritis in children. Right. It just seems like to be an older generation degenerative effect, mm -hmm. and that's what you think of arthritis, at right. least in my mind. And for most patients mm -hmm. as well, you know. Mm -hmm. um, most patients aren't going to really realize that children can get these reactive or inflammatory arthritis mm -hmm. problems as well. And it is something, uh, as a practitioner, to keep in mind because if you see a lot of the older population, you you know, and and somebody you know, a younger person, a child presents with some of these, you you want to be on your game, you want to be able to identify that hey, there's something more going on here. Right. Um, but also, if you are working with kids a lot, uh, even if it's unrelated to joint pathology, being able to recognize when something's not right. The sooner you catch these inflammatory arthritis problems, the sooner you can save that person's joint and save in children the next 60, 70, 80 years of life, preserving function and, and avoiding, you know, really severe pain and, and in um, surgeries, things like that. That's huge. Yeah. 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 So uh, they say that, yeah, so 150 different kinds of adult arthritis and dozens, several dozen subtypes of uh, arthritis in children. So they say that 
this uh, they did this study for several reasons, and, and one of the reasons is because they wanted to identify and delineate the answers to the complex interaction of the laser with the immune system for undoing arthritis. When we say undoing arthritis, that sounds like science fiction. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like it, taking it away right? completely. Yeah, like it never happened. Right. Which sounds a little bit wild and it crazy. Does. And um, there's a few different uh, sentences in here that sound a little bit wild and crazy to me. But also, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, things change. Uh, we learn more and more, and, mm -hmm. and the fields do change. Mm -hmm. um, now, this is a, uh, a Romanian and, um, I think, uh, Aust Austrian study. So there's, there's probably a little bit of a language barrier here. So some of these words, mm -hmm. word choices, aren't, aren't necessarily... Um, natural English, but in this case, they're talking about truly, yeah, reversing arthritis. Wow. So, if we're going to talk about reversing arthritis, so we, we got to talk about how it happens in the first place. So, we're going to go back into um, pathology. We're going to go, we're going to talk about um, rheumatology here a little bit. We're going to get into the cellular mechanisms of arthritis because we're talking about undoing arthritis. We need to know what mechanisms we're talking about and how those can be affected. Right. So buckle in. If you don't want to hear about that uh, and you're listening to the recording, you can skip forward a few minutes here. Um, but otherwise, otherwise, stick around with me. I'm sure it's going to be interesting. It is interesting. It, it, was, is. A good, it was a good refresher right. for me, for sure. I haven't looked into these mechanisms real closely for a while. Um, and, and digging through this took me quite a bit of time, but it was good to see some of this stuff. So they start off by saying that the immune system has two main branches, the innate components and the adaptive immunity. The cells and receptors of the innate immune system play an extremely important role in rapidly recognizing the foreign infectious agent and initiating a defense response, which is known as pro-inflammatory, right? Which is, that's essential. We have to have that inflammatory response when there's a foreign invader, when mm -hmm. there's something to fight against or defend against, mm -hmm. right? So... Um, the characteristic inflammatory process in rheumatoid arthritis is actually achieved by the abundance of inflammatory promoting cytokines. So this is taking that natural inflammatory process and sustaining it beyond where it's supposed to be helpful. So, okay. um, you, and they say rheumatoid arthritis is achieved by, again, kind of weird wording, but uh, the abundance of inflammatory promoting cytokines in counterbalance with inhibitory cytokines. So you've got these cytokines, these signalers that say more inflammation, and you have others that say less inflammation. And in the case of rheumatoid arthritis, the pro-inflammatory cytokines are way up here, and the anti-inflammatory cytokines become much, much lower than they should be. Also, there is an imbalance of intercellular communication, immune responses, and cellular movement to these territories of inflammatory or infectious or, or post-traumatic areas. So uh, we end up with more signaling for inflammation mm -hmm. uh, in, in these areas. And, and in rheumatoid arthritis, of course, arth, arth means joint. So we're talking about joint problems, joint inflammation. They say the interleukin-1 family, together with its members, uh, which would be interleukin-33, 36-alpha, beta, gamma, interleukin-37, interleukin-38, interleukin-6, interleukin-12, superfamilies, together with other key cytokines, as well as interleukin-18, 32, and 34, and interferon-gamma, 
The granulocyte macrophage colony stimulating factor are detected in high concentration in the synovial fluid. Big run-on sentence there. Yeah. Yeah, that just... That's a lot. Yeah, it should just tell you that there's a lot of things going mm. on here. Yeah. It's not just one problem. It's not like one cell flips its lid, does the wrong thing. We're talking about a whole cascade of signaling cytokines that are improperly balanced and are driving this inflammatory response in the synovium specifically. So that's why when we're talking about inflammatory arthritis, we're talking about how it targets really the joints. Okay. They do say, though, it's also in the patient's serum. So it's circulating, right? Mm -hmm. And they say that thus leading to the process of local joint destruction and systemic effects in the rheumatoid arthritis patient. So that's where we can see things like, uh, you know, um, bone erosion and loss of vision and, and all kinds of problems if this inflammatory process goes on. So it's not just the joints. It's not just, oh, my joints ache. It's, it's an actively degrading process with the joints and then with the other tissues as well. Because it's, like you said, it's circulating. It's trying to figure out what, I mean, they're fighting. Right. They're just fighting. Now, because this process really happens in the joints, that's a lot of times mm -hmm. where you'll see it first. Mm -hmm. But it's a good reminder, I think, to realize that it's not just the joints that are suffering in these cases. It is other tissues as well. You know, And, and you probably remember that from school. Um, but just a reminder, don't forget about the other tissues. Mm -hmm. The joints are going to be the most symptomatic, especially for kids. Well, because they can feel the joint area, mm -hmm. the joint space. So. Yeah. But you, hmm. you may not may not realize that you're getting visual degradation as fast. Right. Right. Because you don't yeah. feel that. Right. Yeah. And sometimes it's just not detected um, as quickly. Yeah. So interleukin-1 has 11 pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory members. So interleukin-1 is this big family of cytokines, right? And it, it has both components there. Uh, I'm not going to go into the uh, the real particulars on that one because it doesn't really affect how we treat it necessarily. Um, but there is a little bit of this that goes into the way that laser therapy or photobiomodulation works to counteract some of these effects. We'll get into that a little more. But let's go ahead and jump into the, the three different kinds of inflammatory arthritis we're going to cover today. So we've got RF positive polyarticular ju juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Say that four times fast. <laughs> we've got RF negative polyarthritis. And then we've got systemic juvenile idiopathic arthritis. So these are all very closely related, but they are the more common forms of especially juvenile uh inflammatory arthritis and so we'll talk about kind of how to categorize these mm -hmm. um, and if if you're a practitioner involved with especially joint health knowing how some of this works if you're ordering blood work for patients um, here in a little bit here I think will be will be beneficial so we'll talk about RF positive polyarticular JIA first so RF positive polyarticular juvenile idiopathic arthritis is defined by the existence of at least five inflamed joints over a period of six weeks in the presence of rheumatoid factor found twice at an interval of at least three months in the first six months after the onset of the disease. Let, let's simplify that a little bit. Multiple joints, at least five, right? right, Over a six-week period. And then blood work that finds that the patient is rheumatoid factor positive mm -hmm. two times over three months. 
within the first six months of, of having problems. So if somebody has, if a, a patient comes in and they have, you know, they're um, a young person, they're a minor, they have uh, multiple joints that are painful, they won't all necessarily be painful at the same time, which is why it takes having some eyes on. You can't just have that person follow up two months down the road. Okay. You need to see them again pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to keep track and have them keep track of, have the parents help keep track of which joints become inflamed for how long. Are we talking about, are we going to hit that kind of threshold of five inflamed joints over a six week period? So you need to see the patient again, um, you know, at least by week six. Uh, really, more than that is, is probably going to be better. So you can maintain a better eyeball on what's happening here. So two, three weeks. Uh, and, and in most cases, you're going to draw blood work, if not immediately, then at that next follow-up. Mm-hmm. But you need to have rheumatoid factor be positive twice within those first, uh, or, or within those that, that first little bit of time there, and because then you're going to have to verify it again within a period of about three months. So you you see the patient, you might have them follow up in two weeks, keep track of how many joints are inflamed. If they're hitting that five joint limit there, then you're going to go ahead and get your blood work. And then within the next two, three months, you want to order again so you can follow up and get that rheumatoid factor um, positive. And once you have that, then you've got your diagnosis of RF positive polyarticular juvenile idiopathic arthritis. So through all this process of six months, are you doing any sort of therapy? Well, you you better be doing something. Mm-hmm. Because uh, even though you may not have a conclusive diagnosis, you should get some kind of treatment going. Now, if this really falls outside of your realm, if you're not really sure, get them to a rheumatologist. If the rheumatologist is six months out, though, you may have to manage this case or manage this case in coordination with a PCP mm-hmm. so that this person gets some help. Because like we said earlier, the longer this goes on... Right. That's That was my point. It's like we don't want to keep waiting and waiting and waiting while we figure out what the diagnosis is right right yep exactly um you know in a lot of in a lot of cases uh in children you're going to see it in the small joints the fingers and the toes but you can see it in large joints knees hips ankles um you can also see it in the tmjs Mm -hmm. as well as upper cervical um, and so, you know, don't just be looking at fingers if we're talking about bringing this patient in to evaluate and be looking at the other joints as well. You know, check for things like headache, mm-hmm. you know, because depending on the age of the child, they may relate that their head hurts when in reality we're talking about upper cervical or we might be talking about TMJs. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. If you have to start managing this patient, yeah, don't let them go for six months. Don't let them wait to get a follow-up. You can go ahead and get the blood work ordered and at least get it started so that by the time the patient does get to a specialist, if you're not a specialist, you know, listening to this, that they you can have some of the groundwork done mm-hmm. so that, that patient gets treated faster. But you should not sit around on your hands on this one and just wait. Yeah. Shouldn't let the patient wait. Right. Shouldn't let the parents make the patient wait. Right. So that's important. Okay. Uh, well, we'll come back and talk about kind of what treatment looks like here in mm-hmm. a few minutes. Let's yeah. go ahead to rheumatoid factor negative polyarthritis and so rheumatoid factor negative polyarticular juvenile idiopathic arthritis is defined by inflammatory damage of five or more joints in the first six months after onset in the absence of rheumatoid factor and this is important if somebody comes in and they've got multiple joints in the hand and say the ankles that are inflamed um, you're suspecting inflammatory arthritis, you know, maybe they're 12. Mm-hmm. You, you suspect that, you send off for blood work, comes back, rheumatoid factor is negative, you 
do not want to say, oh, well, they don't have inflammatory arthritis. No, they absolutely can. It just may be an RF negative type. And so the, they even say that this can account for up to 30% of the childhood cases of, of uh, inflammatory arthritis. And in some cases, it is a rapidly disabling progression. So hmm. if you order the blood work and it comes back negative, that doesn't mean they don't have inflammatory arthritis. There's something else going on at least. You yep. have to keep following up with that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, depending on who you are as a practitioner and what your comfort level is, you shouldn't be ordering just rheumatoid factor alone anyway. You should be checking ESR, CRP, uh, maybe even ANA, you know, if you're suspecting some serious inflammatory problems going on in addition to rheumatoid factor. Um, but if you if you got somebody that comes, you, you're pretty sure they got, you know, rheumatoid arthritic changes, um, what we used to call JRA or juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, just because RF comes back negative does not mean they don't have it. It just may be an RF negative arthritic uh, situation. Being suppressed somehow. Is that what's happening? Well, not necessarily. This is just one of those where it doesn't show up on the test. Okay. Um, there's, there's, there's some non-specificity with those tests. It's not that the test is, is even incorrect, just that that person, they're not producing rheumatoid factor, which is one of the big ones that we look for. Mm -hmm. So um, why that is, not sure. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Third one here is systemic juvenile idiopathic arthritis. That is a, that's a subtype of the disease. Um, and you have not only arthritic changes, but you have systemic inflammatory symptoms as well. And that's going to be defined as arthritis or joint inflammation accompanied or preceded by daily fever with a minimum duration of two weeks and associated with the following extra articular symptoms. Uh, excuse me, erythematous rash, lymph node hypertrophy, hepato and or splenomegaly, and serositis. So we're looking at a lot of different organ involvement and problems like that in addition to joint inflammation. This patient's going to be a mess. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, 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 it's pretty rough. So, um, and the diagnosis will be sustained by that prolonged fever for at least two weeks. Um, you, you, you need to really see several of these criteria together to really give them a, a diagnosis of systemic uh, GIA. So... Mm -hmm. It's um, similar to Stills disease in adults. So you really have to have that fever, ongoing fever, as, as a really critical part of the di of making that diagnosis, a differential diagnosis. Again, you're going to want to look at blood work. You're going to want to take care of this person as rapidly as mm -hmm. possible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I know that's a lot. It's a lot of technical info. But if you're, if you're looking at some of these cases every day knowing how to differentiate some of this may be helpful or if you're asked mm -hmm. to consult mm -hmm. um, especially if you're a laser therapy practitioner you may be asked to work on these patients and having some concept of what's going on in the background i think is useful mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit more about the systemic arthritis side of things because that's a little more confusing um, when you've got just the joint affected i feel like most of us can really focus on that mm -hmm. when it's systemic not only do you have the joints but you've got all this other stuff going on right and some of that presents as a cold or right. I mean so what, what no, they got it? sick and they now got their sick, knees now hurt and, and yeah so you really have to drill in and dig deep to get what you need 
to help diagnose that patient. Right. Yeah. I mean, this would be really easy to miss mm-hmm. in some cases, you know, and it it is it has in many cases been missed, misdiagnosed. Um, somebody just didn't put in the time and the effort. Um, and not to say that you should see zebras at, you know, at every hoofbeat, but you should be doing a thorough evaluation and follow up to make sure these people are taken care of mm-hmm. because the consequences of letting this go on unchecked for very long at all leads to lifetime impediments. So yeah. and that's what's so neat about you digging into this research to help so many people and help others identify things that they can be doing as well. Well, I'm grateful to the researchers who did this because this was a, a big project. And like I said, this isn't like my favorite <laughs> uh, paper to, to read just because there's so much technical information. Um, and I, I think it could have been organized a little bit differently. But still, they put in a lot. These authors put in a lot of work mm-hmm. to present a lot of this information. And it is really useful. And we always have a link to the report, yeah. to the studies. So. Yeah, yeah. If you want to so. read this, um, we're going to drop a link to the, to the actual paper. You can certainly read through it. Um, highly encourage you to, um, but most of us don't have the time right. to always read through it. So that's, that's why, why it's nice so to bring that. grateful the... for the synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> so a little more on the systemic arthritis. They say the, path, the pathogenesis of systemic arthritis manifested in childhood and adulthood is multifactorial, unclear, and very complex, which I think we probably all are on the same page with at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, They say, in which the innate immunity plays an important role by activating neutrophils and macrophages as well as the adaptive immunity by increasing the percentage of pro-inflammatory cytokines, interleukin-1 beta, interleukin-6, interleukin-18, interferon gamma. Interleukin-1 has a biphasic role on implicating innate immune mechanisms, but also in adaptive ones in triggering systemic juvenile idiopathic arthritis. At the onset of the disease... The disruption of immunity induced induced by IL-1 induces clinical manifestations of fever, rash, early synovitis, or inflammation of the the synovium. And then interleukin-1 intervenes in the mechanisms of adaptive regulation by activating, promoting the differentiation of T-lymphocytes and Th17 cells with a pro-inflammatory role, and by inhibiting the activity of T-regulatory cells. There's a lot of complex mechanisms going mm-hmm. on in systemic arthritis. Um, you've got biphasic roles with these interleukin uh, cytokines. Um, you've got the Im- immune responses, and there's a lot of it that is still just really not understood. So all that just to say, this is a very complicated process. Yeah. Addressing it would sound like a complicated process. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> we have tried to handle it as simply as possible. Mm-hmm. So they say the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis in children and adults first benefits from methotrexate. Methotrexate is a chemotherapy drug. Essentially, it shuts down the attack, the the strength of the attack of the immune system because it prevents um, uh, cells from multiplying and dividing, and therefore it reduces the amount of inflammatory action that these cells can take. They say that's gold standard therapy, and then if patients do not respond or experience complications or adverse reaction, then they try TNF inhibitors. Um, So they're trying to really shut down all these interactions um, and inhibit the autoimmune T-cell activation. Uh, So they're trying to kind of address the mechanisms, not necessarily the cause, but at least the mechanisms of what's going on here, and it does seem to work pretty well. 
But, they say, although there are more and more biological agents with different mechanisms of action for the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis in children and adults, the results are not as we expect. Because there are partial responses or non-responsive patients to these compounds, there's high therapeutic costs, there's side effects, and so on. Therefore, we must turn our attention to other therapeutic modalities to induce disease remission. Mm -hmm. What do you think that sounds like? Light therapy? There you go. Yep. <laughs> you probably guess from the title and from uh, what we normally talk about here. So they say in recent years, photomyomodulation or laser therapy mm -hmm. has become an increasingly mainstream modality, especially in the areas of physical medicine and rehabilitation. Today, photobiomodulation is widely used worldwide in a variety of pathologies in adult and pediatric medicine. It is a natural treatment that provides the living cells with an energy source in the form of photons. Being non-invasive and painless with very few side effects, depending on the patient's health status, and with no known risks associated, photobiomodulation heightens the energy, triggering self-organizing phenomena and tissue repair, bringing relief of physical pain or symptoms, and governing the interplay of the oxidative stress by playing multiple roles. It can induce cell proliferation and enhance stem cell differentiation, assisting rejuvenation and normalizing cellular functions. When correctly applied, we'll come back to that one in a minute yeah. too, but when yeah. correctly applied, photobiomodulation has the following main clinical effects. Improvement of blood circulation and activation of microcirculation, enhancement of collagen synthesis, promotion of tissue regeneration, influence on skin receptors with the increase of pain threshold, improvement of nerve conductivity, acupuncture point stimulation, anti-inflammatory, anti-allergic, antiseptic effect, uh, effects, and so on. I just remembered one of the phrases we would use with patients just to really drill down into a very simplistic form is light therapy helps the body repair itself. Yep. And that seems, with what you just read, is basically what's happening. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And after all that we talked about with all these interleukins and mechanisms of arthritis, that might seem like a very simplistic approach. Oh, we're just going to help the body re repair itself. And that's why but, I said it's very simplistic phrasing, however. Mm -hmm. But it is the best way a lot of times to communicate it mm -hmm. uh, because it's, it's technically accurate. They say that photobiomodulation can very gently modulate the balance between the uh, TREG and TH17 cells. So between that physiological regulation and stimulation of the inflammatory process. And that is starting to get more towards the mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Because like we said earlier, we've got this kind of biphasic effect of interleukin-1 and balancing the effects there is really what we need. Because mm -hmm. in, in inflammatory arthritis, you have this really imba huge imbalance of the pro-inflammatory cytokines and the anti-inflammatory cytokines are way down here. We need to bring balance back. Right. Um, they, they say in the inflammatory phase of rheumatoid arthritis, photobiomodulation improves the macrophages and lymphocyte activity. It also decreases the level of immune complexes and regulates the level of immunoglobins, sorry, immune, immunoglobulins A or IgA, IgM, IgG, and the balance between the pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory cytokines, like we just said. Mm -hmm. So that is an important way to say that yes, we can talk about it kind of simplistically and say, well, light therapies help the body repair or they help, 
you know, stimulate the, the body's mechanisms mm -hmm. uh, that, are, that are naturally there to help with, you know, repair, regeneration, and so forth. But here, specifically, we're talking about improving the right kind of cellular activity and balancing out these pro- and anti-inflammatory cytokines, which mm -hmm. that's what gets to the root of what's going on in inflammatory arthritis. Right. They say that an established philosophy in the management of a patient with rheumatoid arthritis is to begin with the safest and simplest therapy judged to be effective. Photobiomodulation applied in different stages of rheumatoid arthritis is safe, effective, and free of side effects. Photobiomodulation exerts a positive influence on the synovial membrane and the immune system. Again, when correctly applied. And that's key. Yeah. You can't just, I mean, it's not just any light. It's not, I mean, and it has to be done correctly, proper techniques. Yes. That sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. To, to just throw some red light at somebody or blue light, at, at, you know, mm -hmm. you've got to have the right color of light. You've got to have mm -hmm. the right wavelength. You've got to have the right dosing. Right. You've got to have the right pulse rate or frequency at which the light is flashed. You gotta have the right treatment schedule, mm -hmm. you know, and time and power, and I mean, there's all so of that. many factors, mm -hmm. that, and that's one of the problems uh, with people taking up photobiomodulation. We know from the research that it's got a lot of promise, mm -hmm. but if you don't know what you're doing when you pick up that laser, then your chances of success are actually pretty low. Right. So you need to know what you're doing. Now you can do the research, or you can let us do it for you. We've already done all this. We've already got uh, treatments that have been used tens of thousands of times on thousands and thousands of patients mm -hmm. so you can use our settings that are used nationwide in multiple different clinics you can use our protocols and and you can have a lot of confidence from the get-go knowing that what you're going to be doing will have good effects mm -hmm. you know um this these are complex diseases and being a good clinician is a huge first step if mm -hmm. you need to um have some assistance with knowing how to use laser as a good clinician, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, right. uh, you, there, when you pick up a new modality, a new treatment, a new medication that you're prescribing, a new surgery procedure you're doing, the education on that is how you will get the footing to then be successful with it. Right. So use our use our knowledge, use our resources to help get you there faster. Your patients will appreciate it. You will <laughs> find it a lot easier. It's a lot less stressful. Again, you can find out more at our website info. Mm -hmm. Uh, or, excuse me, that's our email. That's you can find email. out more at a website, lasertherapyinstitute.org. You can email us too. Right. At info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. That's exactly right. Uh, lastly, just to kind of cap everything off, juvenile arthritis, inflammatory arthritis issues are very complex. Diagnosing them can be complex. Ordering the right testing can be complex. Managing them can be complex. Photobiomodulation is actually a simple answer, a simple sounding answer. And as long as you use it right, it is actually addressing the complexities of this disease, which makes it a great way to treat it. So if you have questions on this, go ahead and hit us up. If you want to look at the study, like Christy said earlier, there's a link in the description, uh, or there will be shortly if you're watching this live. Mm -hmm. And other than that, we'll keep putting this out. Every two weeks, we'll be live to talk about how to utilize laser therapy in practice right here on laser therapy institute podcast and again if you're a patient you want to hear a little bit less about interleukins uh, <laughs> join us on healing at the speed of light podcast we're here for you exactly thanks thank you
Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.